Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Dan Cottrell. In this pod, we're going to delve into the new RFU regulation, the half a game rule. I've gathered a brain's trust of coaches involved in the grassroots game to give us some insight in how they're going to deal with this and to pick out some issues around HGR, the half a game rule. Before I continue, I would like to say that this is a first go at a collaborative podcast, so there may be some interesting production values. I've also had enough content and comment from the contributors to last for well over two hours, so I'm really sorry to them for any great sentences or comments which landed on the cutting room floor. At the end of the podcast, I'm delighted that Mike Gravener, who's been coaching mini rugby for the last 12 years in Wales, tells us how the half a game rule has been going across the Severn Bridge. Now, the half game rule is coming into regulation for the 2019-2020 season. Not everyone thinks it's a good idea. Stephen Jones, writing in the Sunday Times, as an experienced coach, questioned whether it would be effective and also suggested that all good coaches were probably doing this already. And what about players who don't train but still expect half a game on the weekend? Many player-centred coaches share the same view of Nathan Gosling, a teacher and experienced DPP coach in Devon. I think that it's unfortunate that, that it's had to happen because I think that's probably a symptom of poor environments, poor coaching. I think in, in, in a way it, it's had to come into place so that actually more people are playing. I think the more people are playing means more people get the opportunity, more people have the opportunity, you know, the better it is for all really. What do the players think? Adam Cottiam, the kids' first development manager at the RFU, told me that they surveyed nearly 9,000 youngsters. They found that 87% said that it was important they play at least half a game and that more than half of all respondents thought it was extremely important. Of course, kids want to play. A second survey question asked them about their teammates and friends. How important was it that they get half a game? 78% of them said that this was important to them. It also makes sense for the future of the game. Here's Tim Ravenscroft, an under-13s coach in Bristol and chair of age-grade rugby in Gloucestershire. The idea is that we're supposed to be creating flexible, dynamic players in the future to play whatever level they're going to play. Hopefully we're not saying to kids at 13, well, you're a second row and that's the way it is. Perhaps you can play number eight or second row, uh, or even play. You know, look at Matt, the likes of Matt Banahan, who, who started out in the pack and ended up as a winger. So, um, all I think that the half game rule in that sense does is reinforces that idea of flexibility around positions and and better players with a better, wider skill set. The players want it. The RFU wants it. I'm pretty sure most of us want it too. So it's easy. Andy Stevens, kids' first lead at Ellingham and Ringwood Club, says. It won't change much for his coaching groups. Personally, I don't think the half-game rule will change the way I coach. I don't think it'll make much difference to the way the age groups at the club coach either. We've adopted this approach some time ago, as we all believe it's a great development tool and helps long-term growth within our respective age groups. I think it will raise challenges. 
Ian Spike Milligan, an experienced grassroots coach and co-author of Mini and Youth Rugby, knows that not everyone will take this regulation positively. I've got a number of concerns about the half-game rule. And I suppose it boils down to a very simple question. Who and how do you police it? If there's a rule, then breaking that rule needs to result in a consequence. Otherwise, why have a rule? I've already heard that coaches are employing the wording of the rule in a way that manages the day. So instead of taking their full squad of all available players to a game, they only take those that they are happy to play for a half. The rule in this case results in players not getting any game time at all, being excluded from their club and their teammates, and actually getting pushed away from the game. And those are numbers that I honestly think we can't afford at the moment. Nathan Gosling. I think the the regulations would be very difficult to enforce. I think it would probably be down to coaches to kind of self-police it and and you know, make a point. But it, again, it will take a very brave coach to call another coach out because at the end of the day, they're all volunteers. However, for those who will complain that they can't organise their teams, yes, I think we know it won't be straightforward. Ian Hollingworth, a DPP league coach in Essex and with 11 years of minis and youth rugby experience, is one of the trailblazers for kids' first rugby. There could be issues if coaches have a large squad and there may be some problems in trying to get everybody half a game, certainly in the younger age groups where it's only six, seven, eight, nine aside games. So certainly if the options on space are limited and they cannot run concurrent games on one pitch, then coaches may need to think about alternatives. Andy Stevens. Half game rule could become a problem for older groups with specialist players. For example, if you only have two props you can't really swap them out for the half game rule, or do you go uncontested scrums? Perhaps it's a case of being open and talking to the opposition's coach before the game. I certainly wouldn't have a problem calling a coaching colleague and saying, just to make you aware, I've only got two props, so we'd like to chat about how we handle that in the game. Ian Hollingworth again, on how to approach the rotation of your squad. It's important to maintain communications with parents as part of the, the team. Make sure that they understand the half game rule its purpose and how coaches intend to implement it and manage it. So it could be that over a month certain players are given a game whilst others that day will train or you could find home and away fixtures if you have a large squad. But then over the course of the whole month those that have played and those that have trained just swap around. So in the essence of inclusivity over time is still there and you still have a fair approach. Nathan Gosling reckons it's a good chance to give players better learning experiences by targeting games. And it's about saying, actually, well, this week, this game would be better off for this player playing there because actually I know that he's going to get a good go out of it and he's you know, going to be better off. Where another week it could be actually, well, we need to give this player a rest. Or what he needs to do is be you know, some sort of supporting element of the team. You know, He runs the water bottles and becomes a coach on the touchline because that's the, that's the best way for this week for him to improve his, you know, his, get his game skills. Tim Ravenscroft. Age-grade rugby is actually about being player-centred, being development-driven and competition-supported. And as long as you remember those sort of strap lines, it kind of nudges you in the right direction. Now, clearly, <laughs> cup semi-final and somebody knows he's, his, uh, his weakest scrum half is on the bench, but he's had to take him in case of injury. Is he going to play him? Well, he's going to have to now, is the, is the long and short of it. Otherwise, they'll be thrown out of the competition. Will it drive people to taking smaller match day squads? Perhaps. But I think ultimately, that will sort itself out in the long term. How about large squads? 
Tim Ravenscroft again. Um, tips for teams with large squads. I think the issue with large squads and getting everyone game time is one all of, is that gets unpicked by communication or foresight. If you know you're going to a team, so for example, if I know I'm going to a team in Gloucestershire uh, to play a Sunday fixture uh, and they have a large squad of perhaps two full teams and I only have one team plus a few subs, then perhaps go and arrange a third team to arrive, you know, to do a three-way fixture with the larger team. So therefore, actually, everyone's just playing the whole time. And you, and you play sort of three-way round-robin effectively. There are ways around this. Barbarians rugby is, is, is certainly a way to do it. Take your subs off the bench, get them playing a tenner-side game with the subs and the, and the spare players from the other team. For some people, that's a challenge because they haven't been doing that previously. For lots of people, they've grown up perhaps around Quilter Kids First Rugby where these, these ideas were the norm and therefore you know, that, that's just normal for them. But, but for some coaches, clearly, I accept that would be, be uh, a challenge. The other point I'd make is that coaches turn around saying, my kids won't do that. I don't believe that. They've been coached and the culture and environment they've been, they've been playing and coaching and learning in has created the situation where they don't want to play with anybody else other than their own players. Kids will do. The kids will play with other players. They'll just walk on the pitch and suddenly get to know one else's name and they'll just start playing. That's what they do. But of course, if you created a culture where you don't want to play with the, with the opposition team uh, as, as teammates, as a coach, then don't be surprised when your kids don't want to do it. So that will create a problem for you. I love this idea to mix and match the teams and create Barbarian side. And you can use it as a great coaching opportunity. I also really enjoyed hearing about this idea that Andy Stevens saw being used at his club to help players of all abilities. I've seen coaches use roaring substitutions to good effect in situations like this. They've put the stronger player on and had the weaker player watch them while talking to them about what's going on in the game. They've swapped them over after 10 or 15 minutes so the weaker player got to emulate the stronger. Swapped them back over after a similar period and chatted through what went well, what could have been better, etc. All those kind of normal coaching questions. Then swap them again so they can try what they learnt, and this went on through the game. The coach had obviously done this before, as none of the players had a problem with it, and lots of fist bumps and high fives as the player swapped over each time. Uh, by the way, this was an under 15, so it wasn't a youth game, or a young youth game. It is clear you need to be chatting to everyone involved. Ealing Hollingworth. Before games start, I think it's important to talk to your other co your opposition coaches to explain how you're going to implement the half game rule for the match. Make sure they're aware of it um, and how they intend to implement it. Maybe just put in the fact that it is a regulation and it's not an optional thing that they can choose to adhere to or not. And what about sanctions? Spike Milligan doesn't think that they will work. He thinks there's other forces that need to change first. What we actually have is a rule to manage coaching behaviour. And what the rule is doing is dealing with the outcome rather than the cause. The cause being coaches who actually don't want to play their players, don't want to give those players opportunities to develop because maybe they're not as strong or perceived to be as strong as other players. And, and because actually those coaches are, are focused on winning something as important as an under-11s match. And that's my issue. Um, in my opinion, you've got to deal with the problem. If those coaches, um, if they can't be changed, if their mindsets can't be changed, um, then the clubs that they're involved with, they have a duty to remove those from those roles and find people who actually want to develop all of the players that are available to them. So whilst I agree completely with players getting at least half a game as they develop as players, 
I think the coaches who are there to develop them and who want to be developing players, they're probably already doing this. Those coaches that are focused on winning that under-11s game, they're the problem. And if they won't adopt this rule and there's nothing to police it and there's no consequence for breaking that rule, then what are we changing? Um, I don't, you know, I think we're just putting a rule in which is preaching to the choir and leaving those coaches that are actually the issue here to be you know, happy to be going on doing what it is they've always done. Tim Ravenscroft, who's also been heavily involved with the administration of the local game, says this. Uh, sanctions will be a deterrent. Um, yes, yeah, so my understanding is having been uh, to a couple of sessions with the RFU age grade team, so Mike Barner and Mike Sonwash, etc. Um, there will be sanctions. Effectively, if there is a, I can't remember all the detail, but in, in the broadest possible terms, first time someone reports you for not adhering to half game rule and having a bunch of kids on the sideline not playing in a match day squad, obviously, um, or bringing subs on for the last five minutes, which clearly isn't within sort of the spirit of the rule and, and the detail of the rule. You'll be reported and then you'll be invited at that point to be given a warning effectively and invited to keep records uh, from the, from their end. So you will literally need to keep a record of how many minutes each player plays from that point, really to prove that you are. Because at that point, you know, that's your education point. That's the point where somebody says, you can have your ignorant moment and say, I didn't understand it, didn't know how it worked. That's your get out. That's your one f- get out free jail card. From that point on, you keep some records. And then if somebody else then alleges you're not doing it, you can prove from the records that you are adhering to it. In terms of um, other tariffs, if people do continue to, to bend the rules, effectively, there's a sliding scale of, uh, sort of you know you've got three strikes i think from that point at some point along that scale coaches get suspended if it can be proven that then that they're breaking the half game rule and the ultimate sanction which has always existed in, in age grade rugby is the your adult team will take a points deduction and that's that's a sanction that the RFU uses already, especially in things like safeguarding the cases and they i, I know of instances where, where that has happened thanks for that tim and i hope that allays some of spike's fears for most coaches The feeling is that it won't change much for the younger age groups. Andy Stevens. A half-game rule would be a lot easier in younger age groups as they don't specialise positionally. It's going to be a really easy way to grow an inclusive mindset for all players as they all get to try everything. Hopefully, as they transition through the ages to position-specific rugby, the mindset will go with them and it will remain easy to rotate players. But that will depend on the coach's mindset too. Not something I'm worried about personally. I can't wait to have 15 ball carriers on the pitch with the bench and the parents cheering them on each week. In fact, it's an opportunity, says Ian Hollingworth. The interesting thing about the half-game rule is that as children get older, if they've not been exposed to various playing positions, then we could end up with a situation whereby a squad might have only one scrum half, and that player then gets to play in every game because there's no alternative. So I think this gives uh, the opportunity for coaches to start thinking much earlier on in a child's development about trying to play the players in multiple positions. So then you, then that would prevent that situation as they get older. Obviously, post-maturity, you can start thinking about putting into more position-specific roles. But up until that point, then players should be playing in lots of different positions, so we shouldn't have an issue. Nathan Gosling goes to the heart of it, though. It's all about good coaching in the first place. And given the option of not playing for your team or because you know they know or playing for someone else they'll play for someone else kids want to play you know that's the bottom line and when they play they learn i think it's up to us to facilitate it and actually it's 
it's the half game rule that's been brought in to help develop it and, and, and facilitate that. And if coaches had actually, you know, in the first place had thought, put the kids first and said, actually, you know, we're going to give everything a go today, then there wouldn't be a need for the half game rule, I don't think. And I think there wouldn't be massive dropouts in the game. Let's cross over the bridge into Wales and speak to Mike Gravener about his experiences with their implementation of half a game rule. First, what's been the reaction from all those involved? Well, this initiative has been in place since the very start of the team that I'm currently involved with. So everybody has been pretty much treating it as normal. Um, you do get a few comments that a team might uh, do a bit better or might have won a few games playing just the best players. But um, I can honestly say it's not really been a big issue um, and it's never been an issue uh, having seen this as a coach over three different age cohorts over the last dozen or so years. Um, but having it supported formally by the WRU is uh, a really big help with the buy-in. How about the challenges faced? Well, obviously, who to sub on and off and when. Um, this is something we try and rotate over the course of the season, um, but in many cases it isn't quite so simple as that. The minis age group has more specific problems, perhaps. Almost all players want to be on the pitch the whole time, and no one likes uh, being taken off, no matter how much of the game they've played. So sometimes with kids, it can be a challenge uh, if a player reacts to being taken off uh, and they're not happy with it. Um, if we encounter that, our approach is always to try and remind them of the reasons behind the subbing and remind them that there are players waiting to take their turn and it's their turn now. Other challenges can include uh, issues related to uh, positions of players. This is not really a problem in the minis age groups, but as players get older, there are usually a few positions in rugby where only certain players are comfortable. Now, it's always a good idea to have players play in lots of different positions and try lots of different positions. Um, but maybe in a, in a game situation, you also don't want the kids to feel uncomfortable with certain roles. So sometimes we have to balance moving players on and off the pitch, uh, depending on who else can play in those positions. The minis age group games are short, less physical, and the players have endless energy and also the squad sizes can be large and the team numbers small in mini games um, so moving players on and off and giving them only half a game can be a problem it does get a little easier as they go up through the age groups not only are they used to the idea of uh, half claim rules um, but the games are longer, much more tiring, and uh, sometimes players might actually look forward to the rest a little bit more. And now for some advice from Mike. Just get stuck in, really. Definitely do some preparation if you can. That's something that can really help the balance of the positions across a team. Uh, beforehand, try and have an idea of when you're going to make changes um, and try and keep a good balance across forwards and backs. 
everyone knows that on a Sunday morning, as soon as the game starts and takes over, in the heat of the moment, it's very easy to lose track of your changes with all the excitement and all that's going on. So if you can, if you've got a good coaching setup, it's good to have one coach keeping an eye, close eye on player participation and game time and involvement, while others can focus on actual rugby coaching. Finally, I asked Mike about how he feels it's impacted on the youngsters. Overall, the uh, initiative has, in my opinion, been really great, really positive all round. Um, But I do believe teams do need to go even further and try and balance up uh, all game time as much as they can across the active squad. These are, uh, after all, community teams, And if players are committed and involved, they should all get uh, equal game time. But a word of warning. But I believe you do also need to keep a check on whether it is the same players marked as getting half game every week. We try and change this and balance this out. It's something you can not do every week, but you can do over long periods of the season. My own thoughts are that the kids first drive is just that. Kids first, winning matches second. Matches and competition are important, but there needs to be a greater cultural shift towards greater involvement from all participants. That's why the RFU and the WRU before them had to make it a regulation rather than just trust the coaches to do it. Of course, plenty of coaches do it anyway. But my experience is that there is a significant section of coaches who feel that they have a better way. I've seen my eldest son suffer from a lack of game time. And also, on the other hand, watched my youngest son play full games of soccer while others only got 10 minutes at the end of a match when the game was won. As Mike says, in a few years time it will be normal to give players at least half a game. Because that's what everyone becomes used to. Coaches like Ian, Tim, Nathan, Spike and Andy already implement approaches which makes this easier. Positive and strong communication with the parents, pre-match chats with the opposition coaches, probably happening at least a few days in advance, make the difference. Finally, simply telling a player that they are rotated for the right reasons makes it much easier for everybody to understand. Sometimes it's possible to say that the team spirit and bonding are lost by these sorts of initiatives. Research from the RFU and many other sporting bodies say that kids value these ideas of bonding far less than playing and just being with their friends. As the season unfolds, We at Rugby Coach Weekly will be sharing more solutions to support coaches. In the meantime, Kids First resources continue to roll out. My thanks again to Ian, Tim, Andy, Nathan, Spike and Mike for their time and all their contributions. As I said, lots of great stuff was left on the cutting room floor. Thanks again for listening to the Rugby Coach Weekly podcast. Go to rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button for more podcasts to listen to. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. 
If you want to hear more podcasts, head over to RugbyCoachWeekly.net and click on the Blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.